that. Well, we're going to go back to Second uh, Peter chapter number one. Continue on in our series, uh, becoming more like Christ, sanctification, becoming more like Christ. As I was driving today, I, I noticed all the the trees are starting to turn. You notice that? I love the fall. I love the fall. Spring and fall are my two favorite, favorite times of year. And with all the moisture we had this year, we're liable to have a really beautiful fall. I'm, I'm hoping for that, uh, that the freeze doesn't come early and just blow everything off the trees. I hope that we'll have a kind of an Indian summer, extended fall, just going to be be wonderful. Uh, I, I, I enjoy it. Uh, the the bush out here in front of the church, I always, I always enjoy watching it gradually turn red uh, every year. Uh, exciting. This big tree of our neighbors, it gets so beautiful. I mean, just beautiful every, every year. God's beauty surrounds us. No, no, no. I, I know the world's dark, but God's beauty surrounds us. It does, and we just have to take advantage of it. We have to make ourselves take advantage of it. If we're not careful, the devil will do everything he can to bring every every negative thing he can to mind every day. And our life is not just full of negativity. Oh, no, 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 no. We have a great God, a loving Heavenly Father, and He surrounded us with beauty. We just have to take advantage of that. Second Peter chapter number one. I didn't mean to rattle on. Let's uh, stand and get right on into the word. Starting in verse number one, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. <clears throat> According as his divine power had given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that had called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, you have to work at it, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence, work at it, to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover... Moreover, I will endeavor that ye, ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always, always in remembrance. We've been studying about sanctification, becoming more like Christ, and the steps that God has given us to do that. 
And uh, we've gone through these. We know that God gave us the faith. It says, add your faith. God gave us the faith to be saved. He gave us the faith one day. Anybody here ever seen Jesus Christ face to face? If you raise your hand, I want to talk to you after service for sure. No, we never have. But God gave us enough faith one day to trust Christ as our Savior, didn't he? So God gave us this, this faith. Add your faith virtue. That's a willingness to please God. To virtue knowledge. That's of the Word of God. Uh, to knowledge temperance. That's that we would practice what we have gained in the knowledge of the Word of God. And to temperance patience. And we have to have patience because once we begin to practice what God wants us to do, the devil's going to fight harder. Somebody say amen right there. Every step we take to try to be more Christ-like and more like God and do the things that God wants us to do, the enemy's going to, the enemy is going to raise up his head, whether it's our own flesh desiring to do the things that we used to do or the devil. And we're just surrounded by the world all the time, aren't we? Absolutely so. And so we have to have patience uh, to continue on and keep doing those things. Well, I thought this was going to get easier. Me too, 37 years ago. And I'm telling and I'm thankful for the good grace of God and the mercy He's shown, the strength that He's given, the guidance He's given. I'm thankful for all these things that He has given. But that doesn't mean it's always been easy. But it's always been worthwhile. Very much worthwhile. And, 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 and to, to uh, uh, patience, godliness, and the godliness, brotherly kindness. And that's where we are tonight. That major step to brotherly kindness. And we're going to look at that for a while. Let's pray. We'll get going. <clears throat> Father, thank you for the good group that's out. And thank you for those that are watching by live stream. You have something for us tonight, without a doubt. You, know, you, 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 have, you, you have designed uh, the church the way that it is. You knew who was going to be here and who's going to be watching tonight. So you have something for us. We pray that our hearts would be open, that our minds would be open, that we would have a willingness to hear and not only hear but obey whatever you would deal with us about tonight. We pray once again for your power, that unction, just guidance and everything that's said and done. Uh, Lord, meet with us and help us, we pray. And thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. And do please do be seated. How many in here, how many of you in here were raised with a brother or a sister? Raise your hand. You know, when you're growing up, um, or when you were growing up, um, how many of you could be best friends one minute and fighting like cats and dogs the next minute? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's just reality in most cases. But still, it illustrates a very important truth. And the truth is, relationships between brothers and sisters, or brothers and brothers, sisters, sisters, they're not always pleasant. I mean, like, like every other relationship, they go through periods of, of just not getting along. And, and if not pro properly handled during those times, really harsh feelings and bitterness can develop. Even with, no, no, even with brothers and sisters, that are, that, those that live and those that are very close. Um, tensions can ensue. And, and, and in the most extreme cases, in something like that, a genuine hatred can develop in hearts and, and lead to even painful divisions in families or, or even worse at times. 1 John chapter 3 records this warning. It says, For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that ye should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. 
relationships between brothers and sisters, excuse me, relationships between brothers and sisters are important to God, so they need to be important to us. And after our devotion to God, the very next step in our journey towards Christ-likeness is brotherly kindness. We, if, we, if we are devoted to God, we're going to portray that godliness that we looked at last time. No, if we're devoted to God, come on, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. If we're in our Bible, we're praying, we're doing what God would have us to do, the godliness is going to, it's going to show up in our life. It's going to show up on us without a doubt. And, and after that, this next step right here that God put in here in the order that, that he wanted it, uh, it, it towards Christ's likeness is this brotherly kindness. And brotherly kindness is a, a distinctive affection which we, which we owe to our fellow Christians as brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I want you to get this. This is something that we owe to our fellow Christians, those other believers, those ones that are brothers and sisters in Christ. It really is a special love for our fellow church members as, as children in God's family. And God has a lot to say about this relationship. And it really is a very, very important relationship because it keeps the spirit of the church where it needs to be. And it keeps the unity of the church where it needs to be. And it's very, very important, isn't it, that, that unity, that unity that, that we have as a church family, very important. That peace that we have as a church family, very, very important. I, I mean, I mean just, just that, that spirit of unity isn't it so important? Come on, I was talking to somebody even today about the Spirit in the church even now and, and, and how wonderful it is that, that we are dwelling together in unity. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But there has to be this, according to God, this expectation of love. I mean, that we love one another because we have the same Father. Okay. <clears throat> Turn back to 1 Peter chapter number 1. Just one book back, a few pages back. First Peter chapter number 1. And look down at verse number 17. Verse 17. First Peter 1 verse 17. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Look at verse 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. So we are to love one another because we have the same Father. See, God redeemed us or bought us at a great cost to Himself, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, that's a high price to pay. Absolutely. And the experience of salvation places within our soul the capacity to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Now, now I'm going to say that again because I want you to get it. The experience of salvation, if we've truly been born again by the Spirit of God, it places within our soul the capacity to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. It said that in verse number 22, without pretense, without pretense, unfeigned love is what it said right there, without prejudice, because it says with a pure heart. We are supposed to love like that. But also with, that, uh, with a great passion because it says to fervently, fervently do so. And, and so God gave us the ability to do that. The Holy Ghost, which is in us, the love of God that came in at time of salvation, the Holy Ghost, the love of God was shed abroad in our hearts according, according to the book of Romans. And so the love of God is in us. No, no, no. I know we don't always act like it. I understand that. But it is in there, absolutely so. And we have to be the ones that are going to decide whether or not we are going to let it out. Whether or not we are going to perform the way that God would have us to perform, perform and treat one another the way that He expects us to treat one another. That we love one another because we belong to the same family. Uh, look on down there, First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 23 there. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Uh, turn over to chapter 3, there, First Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> Excuse me. And look down at uh, verse number 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Uh, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. So being born again, uh, we are to love as brethren. We're to love as brethren. It's what the Bible teaches us as born-again believers. And the Greek term there for brotherly love is Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia is a compound word, and it's composed of two different terms. One that means fondness or, or, or affection, and, and then the word for brother. Uh, a brotherly love. Interestingly, the word for brother is, is uh, the Greek word for brother is adelphos, which means out of the same womb. So, even though it, it, it although it's, it's frequently used in a figurative sense, as brotherhood, what, what do you mean, pre preacher? Uh, you know, a sense of family because of a common bond. Uh, such as, uh, such as uh, shared between members of, of the military or members of the police department. You know, I mean, the brotherhood as we look at that. But the word literally means siblings. It means siblings. God wants us to remember that salvation includes a new birth. A new birth. We are birthed into the family of God. We are spiritually born again into God's family and all God's children become brothers and sisters in Christ. Come on, whether we like to think about it or not, that is absolutely the fact. We're born again by the Spirit of God into the family of God and at that point we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And according to the Bible, every believer is expected to love every other believer as a brother or a sister in Christ. But there has to be, well, there has to be a, a proof of that. A proof of that. 
So over in John chapter 13, verse number 35, the Bible says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. I've told you stories before about traveling, at, and, and when I was traveling, preaching, going to different churches, where I guarantee you I've been in places where this side of the church would not talk to this side of the church. No, I've sat and watched it. It's crazy. All, they're all fellowshipping over here, and they're all fellowshipping over here. They're not crossing the aisle. I know Miss Pam remembers some of those places. Man, oh man, wasn't it easy to preach there? Or maybe it wasn't. Uh, because the love wasn't there the way that God intended for it to be. Because if we're truly showing love to one another, then we have a willingness to work things out between one another. No, no, we're, we're not going to hold grudges against one another because we know Matthew 18, that we are to go to those. Come on. <laughs> you, you know, it's so important. It, it, it amazes me how, how some Christians would rather talk about other people instead of talking to other people. But it's never the right way to handle things. If, the, if you have ought against someone, you need to go to them. Or if you feel like someone has ought against you, you need to go to them. Because it needs to be worked out. Well, how come? Because it affects the spirit of the whole church. No, no. If one part of the body's messed up, the whole part of the whole body's messed up. And it does affect the, the, the spirit of the church. And really and truly as born-again children of God, and as those that are trying to be mature in Christ and be Christ-like, we should take it upon ourselves if we feel a need to go to someone to be able to go to someone. No, no, no. We ought to be that mature. I know, I know, no, no, no. I know the society we live in right now, Brother Terry. I know how everybody wants to carry their feelings on their shoulder. I know how you're not supposed to say anything bad to anybody. It's all supposed to be. But I'm telling you, if something is wrong somewhere, somebody has to take the steps to try to make it right. No, no. We have to be spiritually mature that we are where we could go to someone and that whoever that we go to needs to be spiritually mature enough that they would be able to receive whatever is said. I'm not talking about going to somebody with a spirit of, uh, with a, uh, with a bad spirit. I'm talking about going to someone with a spirit of, Hey, let's make this thing right. Let's get this thing cleared out. Let's clear out the air. Let's make sure that we are where we need to be, that we don't hinder the work of God that's going on at Riverside Baptist Church. It's very, very important that we are willing to do things God way. I mean, to truly show that we, that we love one another the way that God expects us to love one another. Brotherly love is meant to be the supreme evidence that we are followers of Christ and that we are members of God's family. Come on, I'm not making this up. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me tell you about John 13, 35 again. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. God really does expect us to love one another. Okay. <clears throat> Go over to 1 John chapter number 3. 1 John 3. First John chapter number 3, and look down at uh, verse number 10. First John 3, and verse number 10. The Bible says, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Neither he that loveth not his brother. Verse 11, for this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, uh, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and slew his brother. And where, 
and, and wherefore slew he him? Uh, because his own works were evil and his brothers righteous. Look down to verse number 16. Hereby perceive that we, hereby perceive we the love, mm, come on. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So understand this. Um, there are only two spiritual families in this world. There's only two. Two spiritual families. Um, every person, every person has a spiritual nature. We are actually spirits. Come on. We are actually spirits. These bodies are just what carry us around while we're here. Um, a person's spiritual nature either makes him a child of God or a child of the devil. Okay, some of you are looking at me funny, but I'm telling you, no, 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 no. Okay, where were you before you got saved? Well, let me go ahead and tell you, you're a child of the devil. And once we get saved, we become a child of God. And that, that is the, the two spiritual families that are in this whole world. That's where we are. Um, and each of these families have three uh, primary characteristics. The devil's family is characterized by unrighteousness and hatred and violence. You know, before God judged the world by the flood, mankind exhibited three characteristics. We could go over to Genesis chapter 6. We won't take time to do that. You can go over there and read that. The earth was filled with wickedness or unrighteousness. Uh, men's heart were entirely consumed with evil thoughts and hatred. Uh, and the earth was filled with violence. We know that. Come on, Bible readers, help me out here. Absolutely so. That is the way that it was. And Jesus prophesied that before the return, uh, uh, before his return to judge the world, mankind would exhibit three characteristics over in Matthew chapter number 24. Nations will rise against nation. There would be violence. People will hate one another and iniquity will abound. Jesus said that himself. We can see that coming to pass. See that coming all together. But God's family is characterized by righteousness and love and sacrifice. No, no, think about the example of love. Well, what example of love? He laid down his life for us. Come on, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus laid down his life for us. I, I, I know that I can say without any fear whatsoever that no one else ever deserved to die less than Jesus did. He was a perfect son of God. And, 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 and no one else ever sacrificed more to demonstrate love than Jesus did. Never. No, 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 no. Well, no wait a minute. You know, a lot of people have died and, and, and sacrificed. I know, I know, I know, I know. No, stay with me here. There's a lot of people that have sacrificed their lives for others. I understand. Along the way, I understand. We can go back to 9-11. I mean, the people that sacrificed their lives trying to save others. I understand all of that. But the difference between what they did and what Jesus did really is very significant. Every other individual was a mortal man. Just a mortal man. Just like you and I. I mean, just a, just a, just a human being. Like every other man, uh, he would have died eventually. Now, come on. We all have that appointment. 
And one of these days, all of us are going to die. In fact, many just, just before putting their lives at risk for others have explained their actions with such phrases as, we're all going to die one day anyway. You know, I might as well make death count for something. I'm going to try to take a, a, a save someone here. But Jesus could not say those words. He was the eternal Son of God. He was not destined to die one day anyway. No, 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 no. He purposely chose to die that you and I might live. And that, was, that is what makes his sacrifice so much greater than any other sacrifice. No one else ever gave more for people who deserved it less than Jesus did. Yeah, absolutely so. So the extreme love... He makes a point here about, about the extreme of love. He said, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. The cross is an example to follow. It's not simply an expression of love to admire. Now I want you to get that. The cross of Calvary is, is an example to follow. It's not just simply an expression of love for us to admire. It isn't a question of what people deserve. Okay. I did not deserve him to die for me. You did not deserve him to die for you. It's a question of what love demands. Because love's not just that we feel good when we see somebody. Oh, I just love them so much. They just make me feel so good. No, 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 no. It's a question of what love demands. Few Christians will ever be called upon to lay down their lives to demonstrate their love. But every Christian is called to die to self and to love his brothers and sisters unselfishly. Every Christian, every one of us, it's supposed to be that way. We're there in 1 John chapter number 3. Let's look at the expression of love. Come on, we're going really good tonight. Uh, 1 John 3, look at verse 16. The Bible says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, Because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So according to what the Bible says, our love must be personal. It must be personal. What do you mean? What verse verse 17? But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? You know, all pronouns in that verse are singular. 
What does that mean, preacher? They're, 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 it, it, they are addressed to us as individuals about how we treat others that are in need, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's, here's a problem at times. I, too often we think of the church institutionally. Oh, the church is just an institution. No, 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 no. No. We see a need. We think of the church institutionally. We see a need and we say, you know, the church ought to do something. But we have to remember that a church is not an institution. The church is people. No, we are the church. And God's method of meeting needs is brothers helping brothers, members loving their fellow members. It's God's plan. So we have to learn to think of the church as composed of individuals because the church is composed of individuals. This is what makes love personal. I see that my brother has a need. And out of my bowels of compassion, my deep love for my brother, then I do what I can to help him. No, no, that we are willing, I mean, no, as individuals, that we are willing to help our brothers and sisters in Christ when we see a need and we are able to do so. Uh, well, y'all ought to do something. Oh, no, 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 that's not, no. God expects me to do something. <clears throat> and... uh this isn't just some spiritual, spiritual thing. Our love must be practical. It has to be practical. Because love is not proved by what we say. Love is proved by what we do. By, okay. Brotherly kindness cares and brotherly kindness serves and, and, and gives in ministry to other believers, because that is how members of the same family should act toward one another. Uh, love cares. Over in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, it says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. We have a lot of people that call the church and they want help. They want us to pay their bills. They want us to do these different things. As God would lead, I, I'm not against doing whatever we can to help when I feel like that's what God would have us to do. 
But I have told people personally, you know, really what we try to do is we try to help people that are members of the church. Come on, we try to help our brothers and sisters in Christ that are right here. I don't know where people got this idea that churches are supposed to take care of them no matter how they're living out there. And I'm not trying to be ugly about that. I'm not. I, I think there's times that we need to reach out to the community and do things. Don't get me wrong about that. There's times that we do that. But really, the help that we, the help that we give is pretty much reserved for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Right here. And that we would help one another. If you've been in the church very long at all, you remember times that I've stood up behind the, the, this pulpit and I have said, we have a brother or a sister in need. And so we're going to take up a free will offering. And if you feel like you, God would have you to give, we want you to give. And if you don't, whatever. But hey, we have someone in need. And I've watched, I've watched the people of this church pour out their love to people. Hallelujah. Thank God for it. Absolutely so. Because that is the way that it's supposed to be. Come on, we're talking about being more Christ-like. And brotherly kindness is a big part of that. Do good to everyone we can, absolutely so, but especially to our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Several weeks ago, whenever, I, I, man, I've lost track of time because all the traveling done, but I was traveling back from Oklahoma, I think, stopped to get some fuel in the truck. I was having trouble with the pump. A fellow that worked there at the, at, the, at the truck stop there came out. He was trying to help me. He was a nice guy. We talked back and forth about some different things. Uh, I talked some, uh, he, we, we talked about different things. And, 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 and I talked about how good God was. And, and he talked about some struggles he was having with some kids and all these things. And he was helping me and we were talking and all these different things. I get to the end, the pump, it doesn't spit out the receipt for the fuel. And so I said, oh, I really need a receipt. Oh, sir, I'll go get that for you. He took off running and went and got the pump. It's like God said, you know, you, you, need, to, you need to help this guy out. Pulled some money out of my pocket. When he got back, I gave him a gospel tract. Said, Reverend St. Joe, boy, I'd love to have you come see. Let's tell you some good Bible verses, some good things in here. And here, buy yourself some supper. The guy was, I mean, he was floored. He was floored, absolutely floored. Oh, sir, you don't have to do that. I said, I don't have to do anything. But I appreciate your help and appreciate your spirit. And I, you know, get yourself some supper and take care of yourself. No, no, I'm not bragging on me. I'm not bragging on me. I'm not trying to do that at all. I mean, there are times, there are times that we have to show the love of Christ, even to those outside of our church. Isn't that right? Sure, absolutely. It's the right thing to do. It is, yeah. But we should be more than ready to show our love to those that are here at Riverside Baptist Church, our brothers and sisters in Christ, as they have need. <clears throat> love cares. And love serves also. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. And it says this, In honor, preferring one another. Preferring one another. So we don't come to church thinking, well, what can my brothers do for me? No, 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 no. We come to church hopefully thinking, what can I do for my brothers? 
How can I be a help to someone? How can I encourage someone? Preferring one, another, preferring one another means that we put their needs ahead of our own. We see meeting their needs is as important or more than having my needs met. Isn't it something that when we want something, that we'll go out of our way to make sure we get it? Even if we don't need it? At times, somebody should say amen right there. But it's terrible to think that someone would have a need and we wouldn't set our own wishes or wants aside to try to help them out a little bit when they have a need. I really don't think that anybody that belongs to Riverside Baptist Church, comes into this place with their hand out. Now, I really don't believe that. I've not seen that spirit here. I've not seen it, not at all. But I do know and have seen along the way people in our church that have had needs. And needs have been made, to, made known to me about folks, and we have done our best to try to help them along the way as we can. And we'll continue to do so because it's the right thing to do. They're showing our love to people. Because love gives, doesn't it? No, I mean, we read it there in verse 17. But whoso hath the world's goods, whoso has some money in their pocket, whoso has, has, has those things that others might need, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Oh, come on. We still believe this is the Bible, right? Well, this isn't just your pastor railing on you about this. This is about being Christ-like. This is about being everything God would have us to be. And it's a shame to think somebody would be so tight-fisted that they wouldn't help someone that had a need if God laid that upon their heart. Because it really is a part of all of this brotherly kindness but it's one of those things come on I'm right at being done it's one of those things that he says there in first Peter or second Peter we have to add come on add your faith virtue and a virtue knowledge and knowledge temperance temperance patience to patience godliness godliness brotherly kindness one of those things we have to add What does that mean? Well, he said that you have to be diligent. That means we have to work at it. Well, preacher, <clears throat> well, preacher, you know, uh, generosity, that's just not one of my spiritual gifts. <laughs> well, maybe it's just one of those things you need to add. Well, I'll come. To be more Christ-like. To be more like the Lord. Oh, come on. For God so loved the world he, that He gave. Okay, let me finish this up then. Brotherly kindness is a mark of 
Christian maturity. Christian maturity. Come on, we do want to be spiritually mature, right? Come on, we don't want to remain babes in Christ the rest of our days, do we? No, 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 we don't. I know, I know, I know we don't. And brotherly kindness naturally follows the step of godliness. What do you mean? Oh, we looked at it last time. An increased devotion to God. Godliness. No, it naturally follows that. Because if we have an increased devotion to God, then we are going to want to do things that please God. And very apparently from what we looked at tonight, Brother Rick, one of the things that pleases God is, that when, is, is when we love our brothers and sisters in Christ enough to help them. I mean, if we love, please stay with me. I, I, this, is, I'm, this is the end. If we love our Father in heaven, how can we not love our brothers and sisters in Christ? I mean, truly, we are members of the same family. We might as well learn to love one another down here because guess who you're going to spend eternity with? (laughs) Be good to practice. Let us love one another by caring and serving and giving in sacrificial ways when that's needed. So here's the invitation. Is your life all about you? Well, who are you talking to? I'm talking to you. Is your life all about you? What you can get? What you can hoard up? About pleasing self? Is your life all about you? Maybe it's time to concentrate on loving others as yourself. Seems like I read that somewhere in the Bible too. Brotherly kindness. It's one of those things that we have to add to our life. And I read tonight, extended there in Second Peter, that he said that he would continue to stir them up by putting these things in their remembrance. It's good for us to be stirred up to remember the way we're supposed to be at times and to check ourselves out to make sure that we're doing what we should do in the way that God would have us to do it. Maybe it's time to concentrate on loving others. Let's stand. Let's stand. Thank you for being patient tonight. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you, Lord, for the direction that it gives us. Thank you that your word is true and sure. And Lord, it helps us as we take it in. It helps us to realize those areas we need to die to self to live more unto you. 
I'm so thankful that with Jesus Christ, it wasn't all, he wasn't all about him. When he was here, it wasn't all about him. It was about others. He did that as an, as an example, willing to give of himself. Father, help us. Help us to make sure that there's not a selfishness in us that wouldn't go an extra mile for a brother or sister in Christ in need. Thank you, Lord. Bless this time of invitation. May your perfect will be done in every life. We'll thank you for what's accomplished, for we ask it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.